Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So, good morning, church. So, today we're going to go into the book of Acts. And please turn your Bibles to chapter 17, and we're going to be looking through verses 10 through 12. And today's message is called, Be a Berean. Now, before we get into the text, I'd like to ask you to please uh, join me one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today to praise you and worship you. We come to dive deep into your word and to get life from it. We want to go out there into this world and be equipped to do your will. So Lord, open our eyes to the truth that's in your word. As I preach this message today, guide my tongue so that your truth comes out and nothing more than that. For your truth is sufficient for us. We thank you for this opportunity because we know that there are many brothers and sisters in Christ all throughout the world where this gathering would be considered illegal. But they are still diligent to gather together even if they have to go underground to worship you. So we pray for them and thank you for being such a generous and merciful God, being patient with us and showering us with so many gifts. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name. So many of you may not know this, but my very first job was actually as a bank teller. Now, during our training, we learned how to best detect counterfeit bills. In our training, we, we didn't actually study the actual counterfeits. There were just too many fakes out there, and people were always coming up with different ways to make fake money. Instead, we put all our efforts in studying the actual genuine bills. The more familiar you are with an authentic bill, the better you are at detecting a fake. Attention to detail is vital. A good fake will include some accurate features, say like to a $100 bill. However, harder to replicate, replicate details, like the hologram that's found on a $100 bill now or the blue strip that illuminates pink when you put it to UV light, those things are much harder to replicate. And this helps us so we can identify what is a fake and what is the real McCoy. So this, church, is something that we can also see when it comes into regards into the preaching of God's Word. For example, there are many of those who preach biblically. And I'm thankful in this church, we have many pastors here who do preach the word biblically. Unfortunately, even more so, there are those who are more interested in tickling ears and growing their pockets. Just because a pastor quotes the Bible and says some accurate statements does not make them genuine. It doesn't even make them a Christian. Remember, church, even Satan quoted Scripture when he was tempting Jesus. So what are we to do, beloved? We must be on high alert. We must take the preaching of the Bible seriously. 
we must be trained so that we may be able to spot false doctrine and false teachers. We must be Bereans. And this takes us now to our text. Again, if you have your Bibles, it is in Acts 17. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. Many of them therefore believed, and not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So now, in order to really understand the text, we're going to have to look at the background. Okay, now take a look again at verse 10. It says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. So let's start by taking a look at the location here. Berea was located approximately 45 miles west of Thessalonica. So it was about basically a three-day journey if you were going by foot. It was also a major city in the Roman province of Macedonia. Now, you may be wondering, how did we get to this point in the story? What happened that led to Paul and Silas being quickly rushed into Berea? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's, <laughs> let's first take a look at the first three verses of Acts 17. Because remember, when we're looking through Scripture, context is important. And what we need to do is to look at what, what was before and after to really understand what's going on. So let's look at the beginning of the chapter. Those first three verses read as this. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. So basically, Paul was doing what Paul does. When he went to Thessalonica, he started preaching Christ at the synagogues. And notice what else Paul did. He relied on Scripture to preach the gospel. Now, this is always a very good sign in identifying a biblically sound teacher. They rely on Scripture to communicate their message. Okay, they're not using something outside of Scripture. They're not using uh, something to distract you. They're using Scripture. Now, let's take a look at verses 4 and 5. And some of them were per persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of them, not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So although a good number believed the gospel, the Jews of Thessalonica became hostile to Paul and Silas. Now this, we can see here, is another attribute of preaching the truth. It is always accompanied by a strong emotion, and oftentimes it can be very, very hostile. Why? Because those who love sin hate righteousness. Is this not evident in our world today, church? 
Now, let's take a look at verses 6 through 9. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason was received, and Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Now I want you to notice something here. It says that the Jews made the accusations that Paul and Silas turned the world upside down. You see, if you stand for God's truth, the truth of the world will be void in you. Take, for instance, this month, June. What is the world celebrating this month? Exactly. They, they are, as you can see, if you're on social media, okay, all the corporations are turning their logos into rainbows, okay, and they're calling it, what, Pride Month, right? It is a celebration of sin. What have they done? They've taken the rainbow, a symbol that God used that he would promise not to flood the world. And now they use that as their banner. What else did they do? They took the deadliest of sins, pride, okay? And they make that something to celebrate. Do you not see how that is an affront to God? Shaking your fist at him. It is pure evil. Simply stating that you believe in a biblical definition of marriage, simply stating that that's what you believe, it is now considered hate speech and bigotry. Yet, the world is perfectly fine to take a show, Blue's Clues, okay? Targeted to three and five-year-olds. What are they doing now in it? A drag queen is in there, leading a gay parade, singing songs, indoctrinating the kids into the doctrines of Satan. Is that okay, church? The world wants us to bow down to the new norm. Do you know what I say to that? then we turn the world upside down. Church, we need to turn the world upside down by proclaiming the gospel message to the lost world. That is what the world needs. Why? I think A.W. Towser says it pretty well. We need preachers who preach that hell is still hot, heaven is still real, sin is still wrong, and the Bible is the word of God. So please, rely on the word of God regardless of the pressures of this world. You see, the thing is, when the world is saying this, there, there, is a, there are people who are in sin. They need to know the truth. To withhold the truth is cruel. Okay, remember, so many people say, I was born this way. Do you know what my response to that is? There's a reason why Jesus said you must be born again. Right? So please, focus on this. So now you can see why Paul and Silas, well, they had to be moved out of town quickly because they turned the world upside down. Okay? And they even, these naysayers went to Berea to follow them. Okay? As we can see in Acts 17, verse 13. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. 
So now, church, that we've gotten a good sense of the context and the background, let's start the sermon. <laughs> so if we look at verse 11, okay, that's going to be the first part we're going to look at. We're going to look at the first part of verse 11. We can take away the point to be on guard regarding what you hear. Okay, verse 11 starts off, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Now the Greek word for noble originally meant of noble birth or well-born. However, over time, this terminology was applied to people who exhibited noble behavior. People who had an open mind and were fair and thoughtful. Those were where the term was usually used for people like that. So, when we see Luke writing that the Bereans were more noble in their receiving of Paul's message, he was comparing them to the Thessalonians that weren't as noble in this. Why? You see, because the Bereans were looking for what was written in the Old Testament as their final authority. They were not swayed by tradition. They were not swayed by logic or the philosophy of the day. In other words, Luke means that the Berean Jews allowed no prejudice to prevent them from giving Paul a fair hearing. And this should be our response with any teaching that we encounter. Even as you're listening to this sermon right now, don't listen to it and don't go ahead and quote me. Quote the scriptures. Go back to the scriptures and say, what does scripture actually say? Okay, if you make the argument that the pastor said this, I have no authority. This is the authority. Okay, you need to learn and be discerning on anything that you hear. Okay, because that's our final authority. And that's what the Bereans did. They heard Paul and they said, okay, that, that sounds like it may be right, but let me check here first before they believed anything. So please, as you're listening to different messages from different people, always do this. Okay? And again, this is not just people who can memorize the scripture or they can quote it. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew 22:29. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Okay, here's a reality, church. Satan has memorized more scripture than you. He's had a lot more time to practice. Okay? And some of these false teachers, they can quote scripture really good too. Okay? But I beg you, do not be led astray to smooth talkers or people who will twist what Scripture says. Okay? They'll take it out of context. They'll, they'll explain it in a way that will profit them. Evaluate it. Search through Scripture. Even as we're going through this passage, notice that we had to go back and what was said beforehand to understand the full context. Context is key, church. Many of these false prophets out there, they're really more motivational speakers than anything else. They want to make sure that you leave feeling good about yourself. The reality is what we need to do is be on guard and see what is God's truth regardless of how it makes us feel. Okay? Now, just because something brands itself as Christian does not mean it's Christian. Okay? I don't care if it appears on a Christian network. I don't care if it appears on Christian radio. It does not mean that it's actually Christian. Okay? You have to be discerning. You have to put forth the work. Remember what it says in Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Church, we're called to be wise and discerning in what we do. I love what Vadi Bachman once said. 
He said, there ought to be a sign posted in every Christian bookstore that reads, the views expressed in these books do not necessarily express the views of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? Now, you can go into a Christian bookstore and find some great things in there, but, you, but not everything. There's a lot of it that's just trash. It absolutely is worse than it, too, because it actually leads people into wrong ideas and wrong thoughts. So again, be on guard, church, and be a Berean. And now this takes us to our next point. Be excited by the word of God. Verse 11 continues. They receive the word with all eagerness. Church, we must be excited by the word of God. How can Jesus be our Lord and Savior and we have no eagerness for the Bible? It's not possible. Imagine your spouse, okay, that while you were still courting or a person that you're dating, okay? Imagine if all your communication to this person is made by a friend of yours, okay? And imagine that you never spend any face-to-face time with this person that you claim to love. Instead, you learn everything about this special someone in your life from your friend. You never question anything, and you don't bother to be with them or to speak to them directly. Whatever your friend says is good enough for you. Now, is that the model of a loving relationship, church? No. Is that a relationship that would lead to a promising engagement or marriage? Not at all. Is it even a relationship at all? Does this relationship have any passion or excitement? Of course not. If you are going to marry someone and spend the rest of your life with this person, then you need to know them. You ought to get excited and learn all about them. You want to know all about them directly from them, not somebody else. Right, church? The same is true with God. If you claim to love him and follow him, then his word should excite you. I want you to ask yourself this. Does scripture excite you? Really ask yourself that. Do you look forward to the reading of the Bible or is it just considered a task for you? Something to mark off on a checklist. You must fall in love with the scriptures. Why? Because it is the word of God. And now the best way to do that, the best formula to fall in love with the scripture, you have to fall in love with the author. You have to fall in love with God, the almighty God. Now remember this. Second Chronicles 15, 15. And all Judea rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and had sought him with their whole desire. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. May your whole desires be for the Lord. Okay? This is one of those things where I've seen it before construed. It says in Scripture that he'll give you your desires. And I've seen... A false teacher used the English, which is the, I, the scriptures were not written in English at first, but he used the English and tried to say, oh, he wants to give you your desires. No, God just wants you, like God's a genie in a bottle. No, it says in scripture that he changes our desires to be his desires. Therefore, we get what he wants. Okay, I never wanted to do any type of public speaking ever. Okay, I ran away from my calling originally. But what did he do? He changed me on the inside. And when that happened, I can't imagine doing anything else. 
because that's what he does. He changes us, and therefore we get our desire because he changes our desire. So may we echo the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and a delight on my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. That's a beautiful church. If you do not have this desire, I beg you, surrender your life to him. If you have been disobedient to him, then ask him to rekindle the love for him and that he may set your soul ablaze. He is the only one that can turn a heart of stone or one that is cold to the word of God into a heart of flesh, joyous in love for the word of God. So church, be a Berean. Our next point, the rest of verse 11 Okay, it's to be in Scripture daily. And it reads this, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. To better understand this verse, we need to do a quick word study, okay? It won't be long, I promise. The Greek word for examining can also be rendered as follows, okay? Call to account, hear a case, discern, examining closely, interrogate, investigate, test, search out, and evaluate carefully. So we need to really understand that we need to dissect Scripture, okay? And by commenting on this activity, on examining the Word of God this way, Luke, who's the author here, basically encourages us that we should be searching the Scriptures and that this should be a pattern for all believers. Okay, this is not just for theologians. This is not just for scholars or pastors. We all, as believers, followers of Christ, have to be studying the scriptures deeply. Okay, anyone who claims to be a follower of the way needs to be doing this. This passage also supports the doctrine and the clarity that that scripture is clear, okay? And it's the idea that the Bible can be understood rightly not just by scholars, but by ordinary people too. Lay people can perfectly understand the scripture too. And this is true for those who read the Bible eagerly and diligently and continually depend on God for help. This also supports the doctrine of sola scriptura, which is scripture alone. That our authority for all our doctrines and all that we believe stems from the scripture and scripture alone. Okay, this is very important. So scripture is so vital to our lives, like breath that we need, okay, that a believer should be immersed in it daily, okay? For example, we see the the amazing uh, blessing that we received from the praise band, right? Now, as musicians, you know that you have to practice continually in order to get to a point where you can perform in front of people. Okay, many of you are very talented and have certain hobbies that you worked on practicing and practicing and evaluating that artwork. Many of you have amazing careers that you've been doing it for so long. If you actually look at all the hours that you were practicing, it's, you, can, you almost can't calculate it. Now, the Word of God is the most important thing. How much time have we spent on it? We have to look at that as comparison. This is the most important thing. Everything else can be lost, but we can't get this wrong, church. So we have to be continually practicing, okay? Scripture is above any tradition 
or man-made practice or any doctrine. Scripture has the final say-so. And we have to remember what the psalmist says in Psalm uh, 111, verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. It's beautiful. So if you delight in the Lord, you will produce the good fruit of studying His Word. Now, church, would you like another reason to study His Word? (laughs) It is timeless and everlasting. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. And Isaiah 40, verse 8, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. What else can you say that for, church? And I think Jesus said it best in Matthew 24, verses 34 to 35. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So many things that we spend our time in, that we put our efforts to, they'll be gone. Our home one day will be gone. Our vehicles will be gone one day. Our possessions, our job, our career, our achievements, our rewards. And the list goes on and on and on. But the word of God will never fade. So listen to the counsel of Paul when he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Stand on the solid foundation of Scripture. Stand on that foundation and you will never be disappointed. If your faith is on anything else, you're building on sand, and your home will come crashing down. See, man-made will fade away, but God-breathed will forever stay. Again, man-made will fade away, but God-breathed will forever stay. See, all Scripture is God-breathed. How much, church? Yes, all Scripture is God-breathed. And what is it profitable for, church? Well, 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 immediately says that. Absolutely. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I mean, this is amazing, church. All Scripture, okay, is able to do this. All that you need is found in Scripture. All that you need to be complete is found in Scripture. All that Scripture gives you is what you need to be equipped for what you need in everything. So stop looking outside of Scripture. We are literally at a point where there are wolves hunting us down. We are in war. Okay, so we have to be ready and we have to be equipped. So we need the Word of God. This must be part of our daily habit. We must make it a practice. Okay, look again what Paul says to Timothy. Verse Timothy 4, verse 15 to 16. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, 
For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Church, this is not a time to be lethargic. Okay, as you're immersing yourself in Scripture, people will notice. Okay, because they're going to notice how much you rely on Scripture. They're going to notice whatever the world throws at you, whatever situation you're in, you're constantly going back to the Word of God and getting direction from Him to live your life. Church, we are in a race. Okay, now this is not an athletic endurance contest, okay, but a spiritual endurance. Okay, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 26 reads as follows. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. We have a race, and the prize will never fade or wither away. We must grow in our process of sanctification, of becoming more Christ-like all the time. Those that are new into faith can easily be misled. Okay, so we have to be paying attention to that. Okay, but mature believers, we have no excuse to be deceived by false doctrine. Okay, so we have to watch out for those who are new into faith and lead them to show them what a true understanding of what Scripture is. We must equip ourselves and help out our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And by doing this, we must continue to grow in our studying of the Word of God. Ephesians 4, 11-14 reads, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all aim to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Okay? Just because somebody comes up with something new, usually it's not new. Usually it's an old heresy that they dressed up a little bit nicely and they try to make it so people are running to it and flocking to it. But if we're mature in our faith and we understand the scripture, we'll be able to detect heresy from a mile away. So church, be a Berean. Study the word of God. And now this takes us to our final point. Be convicted by what you read in the Word. Again, be convicted but what, by what you read in the Word. Verse 12 reads, Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So many, many believed. So studying Scripture is not meant to just show off our knowledge. It's not meant to manipulate people. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who know Scripture well, and they manipulate people, and it's a, it's, it's a travesty, and it really paints a terrible picture of our faith. So we must watch out for wolves like that. No, Scripture is not meant to be used in that manner. A genuine study of Scripture, that will lead to a genuine relationship with God, and we will continue to grow deeper and deeper with God over time. Do not be like the Pharisees that studied Scripture only to miss the whole point of it. Remember what Jesus said in John 5, verse 39. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. 
As you are reading scripture, I want you to realize something that's extremely vital. All scripture as a whole points to Jesus. All of it is ultimately about him. Scripture is not about you. Okay? You are not the lead character. You are not the star of the show. Scripture is about him. He is the lead character. Sure, we're in Scripture, but it's not the most flattering of pictures. You see, we are the Israelites that complain, even though we've seen miracle after miracle that God performed by His very hand. We are the scared Israelites that didn't know what to do when we saw a big giant taunting us. We are those that were in the crowd that followed Jesus when he was multiplying the bread and the fish. However, we walked away when he started saying that he is the bread of life. We are the ones that were impressionable. That one week was saying, Hosanna, and then just a little bit afterwards were screaming, crucify him. We are the ones that ripped the flesh off his back when we scourged him nearly to death. We're the ones that took the hammer and drove the nails down into his hands and feet. Thank God the Bible is about him. Because he is not just the lead character. He's not just the star of the show. He is love. He became a sacrifice for us in the name of love. While we were his enemies. He's not just the lead character. He is the good shepherd. And he went out and found us, even though we made a mess of our own. He is not just the lead character. He is the Savior, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he does not leave us on our own. Remember, we have been sent a helper. John 14.26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And John 16.13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So we not only have God's word and we not only have a Lord and Savior who purchased us, we have the Holy Spirit that helps us and guides us into understanding the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit that points us to the finished work of Christ. So church, I want you to remember this proverb found in Proverbs 2, verses 1-5. through 5. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So receive the word of God. Treasure his commandments. Make your ears attentive and you will find true wisdom. Wisdom that this world is incapable of giving you. The knowledge found in Scripture leads to the fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true understanding. So, beloved, be the good soil. In Luke 8, 15, as 
For that in the good soil, they are those who hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. If you honestly embrace the truth found in Scripture, then you will bear good fruit, and you will have eternal life. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, but he answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is true food. So church, eat up. If you do not yet know the Lord, then accept the truth found in the word and surrender to him. Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So be born again if you are not already and be a Berean. Church, I want you to consider this, okay? I want you to imagine something. I want you to think of the most important and largest purchase that you've ever made in your life. Now imagine as you're getting ready to pay for your, what you're thinking of, you are shocked to find out that the funds you are holding are all counterfeit. All your hard work and saving up your money wasted because the currency you hold is completely worthless. Imagine the regret that you would have for not being more discerning in noticing whether what you were holding in your hand was genuine or not. But the regret that you would have at that moment pales in comparison to the regret that you would have if you are being led astray by a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing. So I beg you, be a Berean, be discerning, study the word of God. Romans 15, 4, For whatever was written in the former days was written for your instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So be a Berean and find hope in the Word of God. Be a Berean and study the Word of God daily. Be a Berean and study the Word of God day and night. Be a Berean and examine the Word of God. Be a Berean and meditate on the Word of God. Be a Berean and memorize the Word of God. Church, be a Berean. Now, in closing, I want you to really focus on these words because if we are acting as Bereans, all right, these will be words that we will share with Paul that he says in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished a race. I have kept the faith. All the glory to God. Amen. Great is-